Ronaldo vai partir para a bola, Ronaldo, Ronaldo vai partir, paradinha, atirou, golo! Já está! Já está! Já está! Hello and welcome to Portugal podcast number 99. Uh, today we're going to be focusing just on one subject and one subject alone. That was, that is this weekend's classical between Porto and Benfica. It was as intense a match as you'd always expect between these two bitter rivals. Uh, quite an entertaining match, maybe not of the highest quality, but uh, we'll discuss that right now. And who else? Who better to discuss it with than a uh, Portuguese coach, journalists and uh, general uh, football encyclopedia, Vasco Mota Pereira. Vasco, how are you? Hi Tom, I'm, I'm very good and very happy to be back <laughs> after a few months away. I'm very happy to be back. We're very happy to have you back as well, Vasco. Uh, always very interesting to hear your insight. And uh, Vasco was at the Estadio de Dragao on Sunday, so he had a first-hand view over events there. So, Vasco, to start off with, what are your general thoughts on the game? Uh, was it a deserved win for Porto? Oof, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, um, based on the second half, I would say so, because... Um, Porto managed to uh, have a bit more of the ball, uh, managed to attack in waves, in successive waves during the second half. And Benfica didn't do uh, that much. Uh, they saw a little of the ball, and they, on the second half, they, they didn't exactly bother Casillas. Uh, having said that, um, on the first half, Porto um, could have easily conceded a goal or two, if it weren't it, were it not for Casillas. Um, so I think. Um, Deserve might be a bit uh, a bit strong, uh, but I, I do think that um, Porto were, were more proactive. Uh, if that if that account, accounts for something, but they were more proactive, even though it didn't amount to much. There wasn't the, Julius Caesar wasn't exactly forced to do a million saves, and uh, uh, about 60 minutes into the match or 65 or something, I had tweeted that I thought that uh, it will end up in a stalemate because I couldn't see any of the teams scoring a goal by themselves unless it was uh, a set piece or a quick transition and it was basically what happened because they, it was like a mistake in midfield that was quickly capitalized uh, by FC Porto and to be honest I think at the beginning of the of the play that led to it I think Lopetegui must have been very mad at the players for immediately transitioning into attack because Porto kept playing, kept doing the same thing of just shuffling the ball from one side to the other. Um, and Porto will have to do a lot better if they want to beat Benfica once again. Yeah, well, you mentioned him there, uh, Julian Lopetegui, Porto's Spanish coach. And I think uh, a lot of question marks about him still, despite this win. This was his first win over Benfica at, at the third attempt. And uh, like you said, it was a really a scraped win right at the end. Uh, very nice goal, I have to say, even though it may have originated from a mistake, a very good move. But that was practically uh, the only moment of real quality uh, in terms of a, you know a, an attacking move, uh, really almost throughout the whole match. Uh, and so I think most people agree that last season uh, Porto had the best squad. 
And perhaps what happened in the summer, back that up, uh, they got 100 million euros, over 100 million euros in their transfer uh, sales, which is a record for them. And as we all know, Porto are very good at selling players, so that certainly says something. This season also, I think the general consensus is that Porto, again, have assembled a very strong squad, even though they've lost all those players. They seem to have replaced them with uh, you know, very good uh, replacements. So, uh, my question to you, Vasco. Uh, Lopetegui is yet to fully convince, I think, the Porto fans and certainly most of the critics. Uh, do you think that Pinto da Costa, Porto's president... Uh, has chosen the wrong driver to give the keys to a Ferrari? Or is that a bit harsh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it all, it, it really depends as much as I don't like it. It really depends on the results because I don't think Vitor Pedro will be, for instance, the, su- the success he was considered to be afterwards if he had if Kelvin, of all people, hadn't scored a goal in the 92nd minute. Uh, maybe he wouldn't be considered as the right man for the job as well. Uh, if he hadn't uh, won that particular champion with a goal championship with a goal in the 92nd minute. As for Lopetegui, I think there are some vulnerabilities. I mean, I think Porto should be could and should be a lot more dominant in the especially in the Portuguese scene with with the squads they've assembled over the past two years. And Porto had to command the whole match, uh, the whole league. Sorry. Uh, they had to uh, exert their their superiority in a much more obvious way, and um, for now Lopetegui hasn't been able. And I was sort of of, of cutting him some slack. Uh, maybe the second year would be better. Maybe he would have a bit more time, the off season, um, to to perfect his his tactical blueprint to, to do what he really wanted to do. He was uh, he already knew the league, he already knew the opponents, uh, and uh, I've been quite disappointed to be honest, because things have remained the same. Porto have a, an extremely stereotypical sort of style of play, and uh, things just don't happen. It's always the same thing, just shuffle the ball from side to side and wait for one of the wingers um, to do something. Or and or cross to, towards your big man. And, and I think it's a very, very limited way to approach uh, the Portuguese league and most of all, a very limited way to go about doing things when you have so many, so many good players in a very strong squad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he certainly does, has, does have a, a lot of options. Uh, let's have a look at one or two individuals. Uh, I think it's sair to say that... Uh, G, uh, Gianelli Imbula, uh, the French midfielder who cost 20 million euros, uh, has really yet to justify that uh, price tag. Uh, would you agree? Oh, I, I'll probably be, be very unfair and, and, and be, uh, it will come back to bite me uh, in, the, in the very near future. But uh, it's quite hard for me, at least, to see uh, any justification for 20 million euro for Imbula. Uh, even in, even based on potential, I think it's quite hard. Uh, his his physicality might be helpful in the Champions League, for instance, where Porto are usually the underdogs uh, against the the strong the strong teams or the stronger teams. Uh, but but oof, it's it's he's very very green. He's very raw. 
his first and second touches are usually awful, which uh, in a match that's played at increasing, increasingly higher speeds, uh, it's not a good thing. Uh, he showed huge difficulties to read the game against Benfica. Um, and uh, the, the play always uh, stopped or slow, at least slowed down when the ball got to him. So right now, he doesn't seem to be the ball-keeping midfielder type, nor the, the, the Ramirez type that keeps running the whole game and, and doing pen- penetrative runs and everything. Uh, for now, I mean, it's hard to, to, to find a justification for such a hefty price tag. Yeah, that's right. And maybe some could say uh, even hard to uh, for justification for making him a starter even because, uh, I mean, we've been a bit critical of Porto here so far, but uh, one thing uh, which I think has been a good uh, change this year, uh, well, certainly a pleasant change from the Portuguese point of view and also thinking about the Salasal, is that they, uh, for the first time in a long, long time, a lot of their key players are Portuguese, and especially in that midfield. Uh, we have Ruben Neves, uh, Andre Andre, and uh, Danilo, who've all looked very good this season, quite often playing together. Uh, and uh, that's a bit of a surprise, isn't it? I mean, uh, Lopetegui even got some criticism last season for kind of overlooking the Portuguese players in his squad. And all of a sudden, it looks like... Uh, those three players I just mentioned are going to be key parts of the Porto team. And as for Andre, Andre, uh, he's really been an ex- he's been excellent so far this season. Uh, it's kind of ironic that uh, 20 million was paid for in Bula, but perhaps the two most impressive signings for Porto this season have been Danilo and Andre, Andre, who uh, have cost uh, you know just uh, peanuts by comparison. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Andre Andre has been, uh, uh, I'm gonna say a fluke, but that gives the wrong impression. I mean, I don't think he was hired to, he was signed to, to do the, the, the job he's been doing, uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, he would certainly, uh, in the mold of a lot of players that have been going to the Jusuez and the Sergio Oliveira and everything, Portuguese midfielders, who are only there to play in the League Cup or something like that, just to make up the numbers. And I thought, and I thought Andre Andre would be one of those one of those players. Uh, I I just think he wasn't very convinced of it. <laughs> he just uh, couldn't turn it down. He's a Porto supporter through and through, so he's at the end of the match he looked like a little boy that just had just seen. I don't know, Santa Claus or something? <laughs> yeah, and his celebration. What a fantastic celebration after he scoring. Was. <laughs> he was absolutely beaming, um, yeah. which is very rare these days um, to see uh, a supporter of the, of, of the club that he plays for. Um, I do think Andre Andre was, was, was a chance, was, was a fortunate chance. Uh, as for Ruben Neves, uh, I, 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 I'm absolutely delighted by the man. Oh, by the the boy almost. Uh, he's he's so mature and so so poised on the ball, and he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Danilo has been has kept being great, uh, but and th- all three of them have impressed me a lot more than Imbula, but time will tell. But to be honest, I don't think it it's the beginning of a trend. 
I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's wait and see uh, about that one. Uh, maybe if they're successful, it will uh, maybe make Pinto da Costa and the rest of the Porto hierarchy have a little rethink about their policy. Uh, I think uh, you just mentioned there Sergio Oliveira, and for me, it's uh, it's just so sad to see a player who had a very good season last season at Passos. Uh, was absolutely superb in the Under-21 Championship, uh, go to Porto, and like you said, uh, he'll probably just get a few minutes in the League Cup, won't play any any other football at all, and uh, that's really not going to help his career at all. That's the thing, that's, that's what's been happening all around, that's why on, in 2011, when the, when he was the Under-20 World Championship, and everyone was, was like sort of praising the new generation everything and I, I didn't think and now when I see Nelson Oliveira for instance the way he came forward uh, playing at uh, the English Championship I go a bit sad because he could be so much more useful uh, anywhere else even if it's not at Benfica but he could be playing at Braga he could be playing at Gimaraes he could be playing in some other part of Europe if he hadn't been the whole time just loaned out and not enough chances of staying at Benfica as the fifth choice. And what goes for Nelson Oliveira goes for a lot of other players. Yeah. Not just him. Yeah. Well, uh, Danilo, of course, was also part of that uh, yeah, yeah. 2011 uh, Under-20 World Cup team that got to the final. And uh, he also, uh, since then, you know, he had a, he kind of wandered around, had a spell in Italy, uh, didn't really... Uh, you know, come back into prominence instead, until he went to Maritimo. So uh, hopefully uh, there's still time for Sergio Oliveira. I think he's 23 years old, so there's still time for him to uh, to get his career back on track. But it certainly looks like it probably won't be at Porto. Uh, okay, let's have a look. Let's uh, move on now to uh, Benfica. Uh, so uh, they've got a new coach, of course, Rui, uh, Rui Vittoria. Uh, who I would describe as a, a true gentleman, uh, an honest professional, but is he the right man for Benfica, Vasco? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I love your honesty. <laughs> <laughs> he looks, uh, he looks and, and sounds like a very nice person, uh, which I'm sure he is. But no, I'm, I, I still, I'm still not convinced. <laughs> sorry. I'm still not convinced by uh, by the by the the coach himself. I wasn't I wasn't exactly super confident when he was signed. We we talked a bit about this. I didn't think I do think that he he's the the case of of handing being handed the the keys to a Ferrari or if not a Ferrari a very very nice car, uh, but being given the keys to the wrong man. I I think Benfica and at Port at the Dragon. Uh, I think Benfica showed how much they've changed um, since uh, since George uh, and uh, it's been tough at least for me tough to to see the the there was so many good things in Benfica over the past few seasons and that right now Benfica seem like an ordinary team of of de- compact defending and then when Benfica go out to attack it's it's always the same thing. It's a very rudimentary approach. And, I mean, I think it will be a very tough season for him. It, he reminds me a bit of of Paul Fonseca at Porto. 
Okay. Well, let's have a little <coughs> talk about that then. I mean, why did Benfica let Georges go uh, when when Georges just arrived at Benfica? Benfica had won the championship only once in 15 years. Uh, when he he went there, as Georges himself said, of course, never one to uh, fail to trumpet uh, to blow his own trumpet, as it were. Uh, he said, since I've been at Benfica, we've always been uh, either champions or in the race to be champions, which uh, you can't really argue with. Uh, won three out of six, three championships in six yep. years. Uh, perhaps with a little bit more luck, could have won one or two more as well. Uh, he left. Now, uh, of course, I think we discussed this and we've all been over the actual uh, mechanics of how he left and... Uh, he felt he wasn't wanted at Benfica, but what I'm trying to ask you is the actual motivation. Why do you think Benfica didn't want him? Why do you think? Do you really think they thought that their success wasn't all down to him? Yeah, I think it's a conflict of egos. When it when it comes down to it, I think it's a conflict of egos. Of, of Jesus always trumping his own horn, tooting his own horn, like you said, and literally Pieta wanting to be considered the real. Uh, mastermind behind all of this, and so Jesus was was supposedly sort of a an instrument um, for that, but not necessarily the the huge the, the genius behind it. And I thought it, I think it, it's a, a battle of ego, uh, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think Luis Vieira really wanted to. I don't think he wanted Jesus to go, but I don't think he was willing to. Uh, make him feel as appreciated as he wanted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, time will tell if that was a, a historic mistake or not. Or not. Uh, one thing about uh, Rui Vitoria, whatever you uh, may say about him or people uh, people's opinion about him, one of uh, the big criticisms of Jorge Jesus was that he uh, never really seemed to put his trust uh, very much in... Uh, Portuguese talent, young Portuguese players at Benfica. Uh, he seems to have changed that a little bit at Sporting, at least for the time being. Uh, but uh, Luis Vitoria, he came in. Uh, you just mentioned uh, Luis Felipe Vieira, who's been saying for years that he wants to make Benfica a more Portuguese team. He wants to, uh, he wants them to get the full use out of their academy, who've produced some uh, very good young players in the last few years. Uh, unfortunately, they. Have, almost none of them have been used at Benfica. Uh, this season, we've got uh, a couple of cases uh, who uh, seem like interesting young players, and uh, they were both starters at the Dragão. Uh, right back, Nelson Semedo, and uh, the right-sided uh, midfielder, Gonzalo Guedes. Uh, how did you rate their performances at the Dragão, uh, Vasco? Nelson Semedo was, was quite good. Uh, he was he was playing against Brahimi and like you had called it, uh, rather than the Gaetan Maxi Pereira duo, it was the Nelson Smith uh, versus Brahimi fight that 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 was the most interesting. It was he was able to. Uh, I saw someone on Twitter. I honestly can't remember who, but that had commented that Nelson Smith was doing such a good job. That uh, the dragon was uh, timidly starting to boo Brahimi, um, and yeah, I think really? that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that says it all. It wasn't a huge boo, but it was the sort of nervous boo that starts to happen when you you get frustrated at your 
<laughs> one of your main men isn't even able to to go around a kid, so to speak. Yeah. And I thought he was very good. He held his own, and uh, and and unlike what happened with George Zouch, the the Benfica defense are not exactly the, the best in the world. They're not the most coordinated right now. I know it's early in the season, but still, it, it's it's appalling how they defend right now. So he was it was harder for him to to be able to hold his own uh, because he was often um, I wouldn't say isolated, but not as uh, supported as as it should have been, uh, especially when playing against someone like Raimi. And I thought he was very good. As as for Gonzalo Gage, uh I mean. He, it, it, it was a very tough game for him because uh, he was asked to defend most of the whole time, most of the time, and um, couldn't exactly I mean, shine because Mikika had a little of the ball, and it was a uh, Rui Vitoria's style of play is 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 a bit more different than Jesus, and it's always much more based on uh, transitioning quickly into attack and defending compactly and defending a bit more than they used to with Jesus with a, le- a lot less pressing. So I, I think it was a, a very hard, atypical and, and match for Gonzalo Gage. I would I'm I'm really curious to to, to see what he's able to, to do on a on a regular basis. Very interesting of course Samedu uh, he has impressed so far this season but uh, really is impressed going forward and lending his uh, support to the attack and it actually been a bit of criticism drawn for his defensive and especially his defending and especially his defensive positioning but uh, I think I agree with you I think he was very good at uh, uh, in the classical and uh, of course Brahimi never quite doesn't haven't hasn't quite seemed to be the same player since he went to the uh, African Cup of Nations no. h- halfway through last season but uh, even though even saying that of course we know he is uh, a player with a uh, fantastic technique and a really dangerous dribbler and uh, I think I only remember that one time him getting past Semedo when uh, Semedo was forced to foul him just outside the penalty area and I think that was the only time in the whole 90 minutes when uh, he actually got the better of the, the young defender so be interesting to see uh, how Semedo progresses and maybe uh, it uh, could be a possible option for to sell us out in the, in the future Yeah, uh, absolutely I think that the only problem is that it's much easier, and I, I know this sounds ironic, but it's much easier to be on throughout 90 minutes when you're playing against Porto, for instance, or Chelsea, or Real Madrid, or something, than it is to, because you were mentioning his position, uh, defensive positioning, it's much easier, so to speak, to be on constant alert when you're playing in such an important match, such as a Porto Benfica or Benfica Porto. Um, it's a bit trickier when you're playing, for instance, against uh, smaller teams. And if you don't have that defensive positioning, you'll probably be punished in eight cases out of ten. So, I mean, one good match, just as one bad match can be uh, a measure for a very good player, uh, I don't think we should read too much into his defensive uh, prowess just on, on the on the back of, of the Porto match. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so finally, uh, Vasco, uh, looking at Benfica, uh, I think I know your answer to this, having uh, <laughs> heard what you've had to say so far today. Yeah, I'm very uh, particular. Yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> their chances of achieving the three of getting a third uh, Portuguese Liga Championship uh, under their belt uh, from 
zero to ten, uh, what do you think their chances are? I would say six. Ah, a bit higher than I was expecting you to say. <laughs> I, I would say no because Porto and Sporting are, are doing a very very good job of shooting themselves in the foot. I'm sure. I'm sure Rui Vitória will be able to put Benfica to to get Benfica into a more solid uh, situation. I'm sure. Uh, in the end, I think they will be found wanting uh, because I don't. I, I, I'm expecting Benfica to drop a few points uh, against the smaller teams because they they lack the for, at least for now and from all the matches I've seen from Vitória's team teams. Um, they lack the, the the penetrative thrust that Benfica's that Jorge's Benfica used to have, um, so I think there will be a few silly points lost uh, along the road, and um, and Porto and Sporting should be able to pick them up, um, not only because of, of that, but because they have, uh, especially Porto have a stronger squad. Uh, but if Porto and Sporting keep doing what, it do, what they've been doing of late, uh, maybe it's a, an eight or something <laughs> instead of a six. Because mm-hmm. I think Benfica will be solid enough. I mean, I don't think they will be seventh or eighth. I think they will be up there. Okay. Well, that's all we've got time for, I'm afraid, today. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Vasco, for your excellent analysis, as always. Thank you, Tom. It's always a great pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Join us again where we'll be talking Portuguese football in the very near future. Bye for now.